Man, I was going to make a I, it, I was going to make another joke about Duluth because I was going to say that unless this guy has told on uh, space warping that's not really space warping powers, there's no way he there's no way that Duluth, Minnesota is an hour away from you. Funny. Yeah, it was, it, if I hadn't set it up, it would have been at least like heh. no, I don't think so. That one's getting left in though. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Stargate Weekly. I'm Stuart Hollis. And I'm Fat Hate. And this week we're going to talk about Season 1, Episode 16, Enigma. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, a bit of a mystery to me. <laughs> I'm puzzled as to why it would be that way. Mm. I said Episode 16. It's actually Episode 17. It is. Yeah. It was Production Episode 16. So tell me, what did you think of it? Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Is this, uh, is this a regular for you? It is. I had forgotten this is the first time Maidwarn shows up. Yes, I was very excited. <laughs> uh, this is this was a great episode. First time with the Tolans. Although I think maybe we see Omak one more time. Maybe we definitely see Nareem a few more times. Omak, uh, without revealing future like future plot points, doesn't matter. Omak is involved in a later episode because like stuff happens and Omak died and right and like there was a conspiracy and then you know yes I remember that now but I don't know if we ever actually see Omak again Fair he, he may only be related to the plot in another episode gotcha we definitely see Nareem a couple more times yes yes we do uh Omak's played by Tobin Bell who is a super that guy so is the guy who plays Nareem uh, yeah Nareem's the guy the guy who plays Nareem I didn't bother jotting down his name or Mayborn's name he's such a that guy he plays another character on Stargate <laughs> right <laughs> but the big thing for me about the guy who plays Nareem is that like he's the guy you call when you want a like better than average but not super duper good looking trustworthy faced guy yeah like oh no we need a senator like, ah, let's hire this guy. Yeah. Okay, so what did you... Oh, let me do the synopsis before we get well into the what-did-you-think-weeds. <laughs> <laughs> so the synopsis from TV Guide, the team searches for a home for survivors of a planet destroyed by a volcano. Yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, yeah, all right. Uh, I mean, we don't see much of the search, mm. but yeah, uh, I mean, it's hard to go wrong with only 20 words. They could have, you know, tried a little harder and then not and not used passive voice in the description. I've never had a solid handle on passive versus active voice, and you. I'm not going to explain it to you because I right, know that you won't. It'll just go over your head anyway. That's so true. Yeah, like I don't mean <laughs> that as an insult. I just mean every time I've ever tried to explain any grammatical thing to you, you're just like, "What?" No, it's so true. I was just <laughs> talking to my cousin. Uh, this past weekend and the you know one of my favorite things which is the idea that everyone scoffs and is so proud of the fact they don't ever need algebra take that mr smith or whatever whoever their teacher was mm. but you know i speak reasonably well please don't tweet at me or email me to tell me how wrong i am I don't please know if I can tweet it. or email him to tell him how wrong <laughs> he is <laughs> i like to think that i speak and write relatively well. But I don't know what an adverb is. Relatively. That was one of them. That was an adverb right there. No way. 
<laughs> All right. So let's talk about this episode, which is chock full of ad- adverbs, I'm sure. I would also, I would like to say that although I do use algebra on a daily basis, just because you, just because you don't say you're solving for X, you're still solving for X all the time. Uh, but I totally don't use calculus. Yeah, that's probably true. Anyway. <laughs> mm. Yeah, you're getting nothing out of me. I also don't use the fallacy of quantum physics. Yes. Which, what, what do they call it? Caruvian Quainer or something? or something like that? Maybe. Hold on. Um this might actually say it. Then it may then again it might not. No, it doesn't. Okay. Oh yeah, no, they just talk about quantum mechanics. They don't mention his word for it. Never mind. Ah, uh, equilibrium physics. Neat. So what stood out to you from this episode other than what we'd already discussed? Well, obviously Mayborn. Because yes. duh. Uh Gary Jones is still a freaking technician. Uh, I know. Makes me so sad. Still doesn't have a name. (laughs) This is the first episode with a UAV. Yes. So the main thing that stuck out to me on that, and I forgot to jot down the first air date. Uh, I can't recall if this was still in 97 or if this was the first episode of... No, we're in 98. I feel like we'd have to be by this point. Yeah, Korai was January 23rd. Um, I'm going to re-record something real quick. Uh, I'm going to wait till the end. Okay. Anyway, so this is 98, and just the idea that 19, 19 and three-quarter years ago, that UAV... You can just say 20 years ago. Trying to be precise and exact and use algebra. That a UA, that UAV, the term, was enough of part of the vernacular that they didn't have to then say... I don't know that it was. Well, that's a shrunk-down UAV, unmanned aerial vehicle. I don't know that it was. Uh, they often just, they often, it was not part of the vernacular, but it would have been a military term. And they don't usually explain military terms, like MOP4 in the previous ep- in the episode a couple weeks ago. I don't know if they, did they say MOP4? Did they just say MOP? They say MOP4. Okay. But not in Korra. You're talking about in... Um, no, the one before Korra. The Cassandra one. Singularity. Yeah, that's it. Yes. Come on, guy. Get it right. You got a whole show about it. About the show. I did correct myself. I said... I then said in a, a few weeks ago. I started to say last week, and then I changed it to a few weeks. Right. Okay, so other than those little nitpicks, what else stood out to you? Um, Stood out to me? Uh, I feel like... Feelings are good. You can the... record them on your little sleeve box. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Why do you have to close your eyes for it to work? I don't know, to make it extra creepy. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, If the Tolon speak English perfectly well and understand everything about English, then I actually kind of expected Noreen to be able to know who Schrodinger's cat was. Hey, you know what? They speak perfect English, but how do they know accoutrement? And that you pronounce it accoutrements and not accoutrement. Yeah, or even accoutrement if you want to be truly Americanized about it. Gross. Who pronounces it that way? Let's get them on the podcast so we can make fun of them. My father pronounces it that way. Let's get him on the podcast so we can make fun of him. I don't think he's ever seen an episode of Stargate. That's not important. That'll be a very special episode of Let's Make Fun of Thad's Dad. (laughs) It even rhymes. I mean, I guess... Your dad's a chill fellow. He seems pretty nice. But if he's pronouncing it that way, that's just no good. He's just... he He's just my dad, man. He does things like that with a lot of words. I hear you. I, too, have a dad. <laughs> yeah, just dad things. <laughs> so I, I guess. So what stuck out for me was, A, that the Tolans 
they have a prime directive mm. influenced by their own past mistakes but still oh yeah one thing that i did they've got all this super advanced technology yes but they apparently don't have hyperdrive what makes you say that because if they had hyperdrive it wouldn't take a lifetime to get to where their new planet is also that entire thing seems like a big plot hole to me if you can gate to talana from earth Mm -hmm. or tolan or i think they just a talana no i think talana is their new planet which is why i'm getting confused so like future thad knows it is talana technically past that (laughs) yeah Anyway, yes, quite. Um, that technically that, past that is the one who's talking right now. Well, no, right now. Well, now he is. Ah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so plot hole problem. Okay, if you can gate to the Tolan homeworld from Earth, yes, and they can fly a ship from the Tolan homeworld to the new Tolan home, then. There should be other planets on the gate network that are in ship distance of the new Tolan homeworld. So, he definitely said it'll take a lifetime to get there? He says it'll take a really long time. Uh, it was okay. basically that they would that there was no point in even trying. No, but he also says it's not on the gate network. So, maybe he was referring to trying with a ship that didn't have hyperdrive. Right. So, that's my point. They could take a ship from their original world though so presumably there would be another planet if earth is too far away from the tolan's new world but the old tolan home world isn't okay i hear okay i'm picking up what you're putting down now that are closer yeah okay i either didn't listen to you before like i do yeah i mean what else is do what exactly or just the the i didn't fully understand the words that were coming out of your mouth uh so according to the summary nareem mentions that it would take a lifetime so yeah okay so yes they are apparently on the other side of the gate network from the home world but you're right surely there must be a planet really far away from earth with a gate that is substantially closer to the new home right or you just call up your good friends the Knox. sure yeah. well soon to be good friends i suppose mm. So this episode, we dealt with kind of, I mean, on the bright side, there was no assault. That's true. I mean, there were there was some creepiness with Nareem, but... A little bit of creepiness. But I'm willing to allow a little bit of creepiness. And the fact that Sam seemed okay with it does make it better, but he still was putting off some creepy vibes there. Yes. But, you know, different culture, they're supposed to be aliens, etc., they're Vulcan-esque, but not, because mm. he brings up that, you know, before science and reason sort of won the day within their culture. Yeah. That they used to believe in weird spiritual stuff. So one can allow the idea that they're not very good with personal feelings. Mm. So of the Totlands, I would definitely say that Omak, I like Omak better than Nareem. Uh, yeah, Omak is a cold guy. But you can't blame him. No. Especially given the Tolans' previous experience with primitive peoples and telling them too much. And I really like, I do really like the actor whose name I've already forgotten. Tobin Bell. That's it. So, I I mean, oh, so one thing that did jump out at me was, especially in light of all of our various gists jokes. Oh, yes. Oh, no. I I laughed when she said that. I don't know, sir. I'm not a volcanologist. Right, because it's one of those ones that it feels like it should be a fake science word. Like, yeah, I'm not a volcanologist. You mean a volcanologist? Yeah. 
Oh, that just reminds me of the Star Trek convention I was at. Because um, at one of the panels that I was at, one of the people was a literal volcanologist. And she had to explain that volcanoes, not Vulcans. Because, sure. well, it was a Star Trek convention. I picked up on that. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. So... I guess we should just go through the episode at this point. Yeah, let's yeah let, let's work let's work through it. <laughs> so SG one comes through a gate and there's ash everywhere. Yes. Also, this is a scene from the opening sequence. Yes, uh, and that uh, there are many episodes in season one that have scenes from the opening sequence. What would hope? Uh, and then they use those same scenes for like the first five seasons. I think actually it's only the first four. But anyway, because mm-hmm. I know there was one season where it's just like. Uh, egyptian sculpture yes we could if we so desired spend some time one of these episodes dissecting perhaps at the end of this season dissecting the clips of the opening sequence against the episodes Mm. so they get to the planet and there's ash and craziness and it's teal who calls out that it's ash which is weird yes and daniel looks like three feet in front of him and says i see something and not i see a body that's three feet in front of him it's very ashy hmm yeah, but anyway. Dead Ashto. Mm, dead Ashto. Mm. So some of the people are dead. Some of the people are just uh, unconscious. And Daniel says it's just like Pompeii, where they were asphyxiated before the lava came. That's not like Pompeii at all, Daniel. They uh, they died instantly when the ash hit. That's why they're all frozen in action shots. Right, and as I recall also in Pompeii, they did get forewarning, but they just invited more of their family members in. Yeah, but like, the one guy that left, he got to steal everyone's shoes and go so many spaces. Heck yes. I feel like we need to cut that out because no one is going to get that reference. Oh, it's staying in. <laughs> like, even people who have played the game might have gotten the first reference. They won't get the shoes reference. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they find the people there on the planet. They Sam comes across one who says don't and then what leave us don't no is don't help us right but there's a long pause don't help us Uh, right so it could be don't leave and help us it could but it wasn't right well obviously it wasn't as we find out later once they help them Mm. all the way back to earth and here's a thing throughout this episode Hammond whenever talking about them like refers to them as your refugees. Like, at some point, yeah, they brought them through the gate, but they're they're also kind of Hammond's problem, too. I had not picked up on that at all. Like, every time he's like, we have a problem, your refugees have disappeared. And things, it's like, yeah, he, he, he does it multiple times. And it just feels it's like, really? You're, you're like, these people that you brought through the gate. Yeah, especially since after they bring them through the gate, Hammond gives them the old thumbs up. Like, hey, good job on that rescue mission. Yeah, you rescued ten people. Yeah, or however many it was. It was ten. One of those things that you kind of would, you kind of feel like, especially later, that it, if it had been eleven, they would be our refugees, perhaps. Hmm. Mm. So they bring the refugees back to Earth, and they're chatting about them, I guess. Yeah, and uh, Airman comes in, or Air Woman. How does that work? Air Person. Is that actually how it did it work? I don't think so. The actual grade is Airman. Okay. So whether, regardless of the sex of the person, they are just an airman? I believe so. Yes, I never worked with the Air Force all that closely. Mm. Yeah, because I guess it doesn't come up in the Navy or the or the Army. Never worked with the Navy all that closely either. Because they don't have Saluses and Soldises. Really? That's... Really? See, with the Marines, it's easier. They're all just Marines. Yes, quite. 
But anyway, <laughs> an airman comes in <laughs> yeah. to announce that the leader of the people is awake. And we get to the infirmary, and he doesn't seem all that awake. No, he's still wearing his oxygen mask and lying down. Are you saying that you can't be awake and wear an oxygen mask? I'm not saying that, but... It feels like that's what you're saying. He, like, rips it off immediately when they come in, so... He has strong words to tell them about the fact they rescued him against his will. Yeah, which, I mean, that's fair. He had... he They, they you know, basically carried him back to Earth without... And without his consent, I mean, I can... So there is assault this episode. Damn it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that I classify it as assault, but yeah, they, 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 they did definitely rescue him without consent, but I feel like, they, you know, good Samaritan practice in play here. Sure. So he talks at them. He's not really talking to them. No, he's, he's definitely not happy about this. Uh, no, and... Making it very clear that they are beneath his conceit. Yeah, in fact, it's, eventually he just says, I've said enough, I'll say no more. Yes. So. And then? And then they, uh, uh the next thing they start to, they start talking about how uh, they're going to search for places for the Tolans to go. Uh, and that's when your refugees escape. Yes, the first time. Yes. So, something that struck me when they're talking about hey you know general we've met and helped out a lot of people surely we have some favors we can call in everyone they had met so far i had actually not been thinking about the Knox, but everyone else they had met so far was so far behind the technology yeah. as compared to our heroes that uh, if they are fed up and intolerant of you what the heck makes you think they're going to go want to live with the minoans as the case that the people actually came to the sgc to meet with them Mm -hmm. or the 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 folks from the last people on cartago i don't remember what they're what they call themselves the bursa yes or the bursans or or any of them or the the greek people that don't live very long or uh or the Mongolians. Oh, jeez, the Mongolians. Like, uh, who? Who are they going to settle the Tolans with? All ten of them. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not going to put them up in some nice apartment somewhere near the base, then what's even the point? Surely there's a hotel in Colorado Springs they could have put them up in. Well, they can't be at the hotel forever. They'd have to integrate them into human society at some point. Mm, that's true. But and someday maybe. Adults, so they don't need dogs because it's only every kid that needs a dog. Right. So instead they get a cat to share amongst the 10 of them, which is not going to go very far. I really hope Sam told him how to, you know, take care of a cat. Just set, just shove food in its face and it'll eat or not. I mean, sure, but you know, you get a, you know, I, I feel like the the Tolans seem rather fastidious to me, so they're going to need to have some sort of litter box available. Otherwise, the cat's just going to, you know, go wherever it wants. Yes. There's also the issue of the fact that the Tolans apparently haven't had animals around them for a very, very long time. Yeah, which. Yes. Wow. Like they killed all their animals. Wow. I don't think it was that they I think it leads back to the prime directive thing the whatever other planet within their system that they helped out that because like when they blew themselves up they uh, threw yeah. their planet out of whack that it could be just that the animals went first that reminded me of star trek 2 
also? No, the n- numeral two. Ah, Rathacon. Yes, because that's when we find out that the night that the you know planet that Khan had been marooned on that not long after he was marooned there, another planet in the system exploded and messed up the orbit, and it turned into a wasteland. Right. I can't remember what the name. Seti Alpha Five was the planet. Yes, the, I remember the name of the ship, the Botany Bay. Mm. Botany Bay. Botany Bay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But, which apparently he wasn't supposed to remember because he wasn't on the ship at the time. So, but, Walter Kenny was asked, and he yes. says that it's his headcanon, and, you know, I'll accept his headcanon for his character, uh, that Chekhov was on the Enterprise in season one. He just wasn't on the bridge. He was a crewman somewhere else on the ship. I'll allow it. I will also allow for the idea that he read mission reports. Mm. Well, no, but Khan also says he remembers him. Okay, then, fine. Chekhov's headcanon it is. Yes. So the Tolans escape for the first time, yes. but not the last time. No. And they're discovered looking at the stars. Yeah, like you do. Well, like the Tolans do, certainly. Now, I one of the main things that stuck out to me from the episode, once I started watching the episode and realized it was this one, because the name did nothing for me. Oh, yes. Yeah, and here. frankly, neither, neither did the synopsis. But once I realized... No, and I had looked it up last week. And then mm-hmm. forgotten again. And it wasn't until I started watching it and I saw the ash. I'm like, ah, this one. It was a while before I realized which one it was. But for me, it was uh, the main thing that stuck out in my head was the stick thing, which I realized we haven't gotten to yet. But where he's trying to explain to Jackson oh, how yeah, he was yeah. able to. Yes. Which... I don't know why that sticks out in my head, ha, huh? compared to anything else from the episode, mm-hmm. but that's what it is. Did Einstein actually talk about folding space? There's the Einstein-Rosen Bridge, which I think is in that territory, but I'm not a spaceologist. Mm, fair enough. Sort of. Einstein-Rosen Bridge uh, relates significantly to SG-1, actually. It deals largely with wormholes, which are effectively folding space. Yeah, see, that was the thing. I was surprised that Daniel, instead of saying you're talking about folding space, he didn't just say, you're talking about wormhole physics. Right. Because it's a show about Stargates. In fact, right here on Wikipedia, geometrically, wormholes can be be described as regions of space-time that constrain the incremental deformation of closed surfaces. For example, in Enrico Rodrigo's The Physics of Stargates, (laughs) a wormhole is defined informally as a region of space-time containing a world tube, the time evolution of a closed <laughs> surface. Man, that, I want to watch World Tube. Uh, well, no, WT. Yes. <laughs> that cannot be continuously deformed to a world line. What? Okay, that. I Now I have no idea what they're talking about. Now I feel like Daniel with the Tolans explaining things to me. Uh, physicist, man. Yeah. Physicist. So, uh, yes, in a sense, Daniel, the anthropologist and linguist, was not wrong about what he remembered from college physics. Fair enough. Although, man, props to Omok for not giving us, like, an intergalactic-sized eye roll when Jackson pipes is like, oh, I remember this from college physics. Yeah. Especially after earlier in the episode where Nareem says, oh, we did away with things like quantum... We disproved things like quantum mechanics and other elementary sciences. Yeah. Uh, well, I did I did like that Omak was basically just like, no. Right, but I found it interesting that of all the people in the in the group, that Omak warmed up to Jackson the most. Yeah, no, that was awesome. That whole scene, where, 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 that was cool that he was even going to do that much. 
Yes. So, you know, props to Omak for coming around and explaining as much as you thought was appropriate. Mm. Rest in peace, apparently. You die. Well, you know, not for a couple years. Everybody dies. Uh, In some cases, more than once. (laughs) We need a counter. So, remember, still leading the death count on SG-1, Daniel Jackson, with two. You say still, like, someone else is gonna, like, pass him at some point. Jack. Oh, yeah. Jack is gonna pass him. Hard. As in Bocce. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So... We're back at the first time they escape. Yes. They're surrounded with weapons. Like, ah, so we are prisoners. Yeah. Which, I mean, they kind of are, so yeah. 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 They're certainly in custody. That's the word I was looking for. I was searching for the better word, and I suppose that in custody is is the best option for it. It's closer to the truth than maybe, say, in captivity or prisoner. Yeah. So then we have... The MS- we have, uh, dang it, I've forgotten his name already. The- Mayborn. No. Nareem. No. Omak. The guy from the Land of Light. Tuplo. Thank you. I know all the names. Tuplo. <laughs> Apparently you do. I have the best names. Well, okay then. Make names great again? I'm all about making names great, man. So, Tuplo. Yes, Tuplo is there, and he's, you know, his standard Tuplo self. And, well, Omak is his standard rude Omak self. Yes. Yes, apparently as they evolved toward closer to science and reasoning, they evolved away from having friendly, tactful conversations. Uh, maybe it's just, I mean, because there's people who aren't friendly and tactful in at our, you know, development level too. So maybe it's just they haven't evolved, they haven't figured out how to not have, how to make sure everyone's tactful. Because Noreen's tactful. Except for the creepy share my feelings part. I was about to say, is he? <laughs> He's more tactful than Oma. But is he? Yeah, there is. He just approaches from a completely different direction. It's not more tactful. That's... It's kind of just as blunt. Mm, maybe it's just the tolling way, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's just Nareem comes off as nicer because his bluntness doesn't largely revolve around no i'm not going to talk to you about that i guess we come back to the to the vulcan analogy which i had never considered but totally works right but like i said vulcan-esque yeah I, i'm not they do sam. have emotions obviously nareem had to share his with sam yes i'm not sam i'm not a vulcanologist <laughs> neither is she well no she's a vulcanologist <laughs> no she wasn't that either she's neither which in a guess and again to you know it being humorous because of our joke it's mm-hmm. nice because I had made a comment in an earlier episode about how it's so often on shows like this where they'll say, well, one scientist is any kind of scientist. Yes, and that is so often the case, with you know, with the obvious exception of Star Trek, where Bones can't stop telling us what he's not. Mm. Although, admittedly, how often did he ever actually say that? Not as often as the Doctor on Voyager did. Okay. So it's one of those things where he said it a couple of times and it just worked really well, so it's stuck in the zeitgeist. He did say it a few times, but um, he is. But uh, Robert Picardo definitely took it to the next level on Voyager. I don't know if zeitgeist was the right word. I mean, he definitely did say it a few times. He said he's dead, Jim, more, though, I think. Fair enough. So they're meeting with two. This bro. episode is so... Th- this this episode of Star Trek Weekly... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like the sixth or seventh Star Trek reference, really. Uh, that's very true. 
this episode of We Can't Keep Ourselves on Track Weekly. Yes. I, honestly, it was a very good episode. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It'd be on my list of rewatches, but frankly, they didn't. Uh, maybe I, I just missed any potential larger points or just how it was portrayed. Yeah, and I've just been trying to not be, you know, strict, adhere to the script of the episode the whole way through, because I realized upon listening to our previous episodes that it's not always the best idea. For me, it's that although they are refugees, they're not the kinds of refugees that we deal with today. That's true. So, actually, great thing for us to talk about is going to be Mayborn. Yes. It's about time for Mayborn to show up. It's always a great time to talk about Mayborn. Isn't it? So we get our first appearance of Colonel Mayborn, who stays a colonel, spoiler alert, forever, uh, until he gets a really significant self-promotion. Yeah, I was going to say, he doesn't actually stay a colonel forever. He doesn't get promoted, but... He promotes himself. (laughs) But, so Mayborn is attached to the NID, which I you're right. They do not explain acronyms when it comes to military-ish stuff. Tell us what the NID stands for. Uh, I don't... It's the National Intelligence Department. That... Oh. But that is, in fact, not canon, because that's from the Stargate SG-1 role-playing game. It is never said what it means. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> at Stargate Wiki, National Intelligence Department, or the National Institute of Defense, apparently, is actually a civilian department which is correct yeah nid is civilian yes and mayborn's not part of the nid yet i don't believe well he calls it out specifically oh, does he in this episode okay yes colonel mayborn sir nid because i'm just thinking in uh season six uh disclosure mm-hmm. kinsey refers to the nid as a civilian operation yes i like disclosure uh yeah it's one of the few times when i actually like a clip show <laughs> right i was gonna say it's an excellent clip show so As opposed to one that we're going to get, be getting to later this season. I'm excited. Thank you for you know priming the pump on that one, but making it how clear, <laughs> making it clear how much you love clip shows. <laughs> so Mayborn is there. He's with the NID, mm-hmm. and he is replacing Colonel Kennedy. Yes, from the first episode or well, second uh, from Enemy Within. Enemy Within, the first non-pilot episode. Yes, so third episode depending on how you count it. And we're going to get back to the same basic conversation that we had then, which is that from the perspective of the military, and I suppose the NIT, which this is our first run-in with them, it makes perfect sense to want to contain, interrogate, interview, investigate, autopsy. Oh, yeah. That doesn't make them any less any less of a dick, though. No, no, they're, yes, they they are a bit of a dick. Mayborn especially. I mean, Mayborn takes it to an art form. Indeed. Yeah, it's it's institutional. It's the National Institute of being a dick. You just don't <laughs> need to acronize the being a... National, National Institute of Dickishness. Ooh, there you go. Nailed it. So, Mayborn wants to take the Tolans and interrogate them. And mm-hmm. they don't want to let them do that. Right. Obvious reason. Right. And apparently, Mayborn is also a big old buddy of the president, so the general can't pull out his handy-dandy red phone and fix the problem. Mm, yeah. So that's when, you know, we talk to... We cut, cut to Daniel talking to Omok. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess we've skipped over the Nareem-Sam feeling thing, but I'm okay with that because that stuff was just weird and creepy. It was weird. 
Yes, in our culture, we have a better way of expressing our feelings. Bouncing a wow wow. Yes, if the show was 15 years newer, uh, yes, Sam would be getting herself a little bit of Nareem Strange. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is Showtime after all, so yeah. Even without being on Showtime, there would be like a subtle, like a fade to black and a subtle wink and a nod that oh, yeah. Sam had gotten herself some. Yeah, probably. Yeah, which, okay, cool, you do you. Yeah, I mean, I'm totally fine with that. That's, in fact, that would be better than the standard trope of the, you know, because Jack has already gotten his, himself some, Jack and Daniel have gotten Alien Planet Strange, so. Eh, not, like, on purpose. Neither one of them did it on purpose, no, but it happened. Yeah. It happened to Daniel twice. We want to call it getting themselves some strange, though? I mean, do we really ever want to call it getting themselves some strange? You know, up until this conversation, I didn't hate that expression. Now that I'm thinking about it, though, it's that's not a very good expression. How is it a bad expression? Eh, I don't like it. Please tweet at Thad to tell him how great the expression is. <laughs> Please tweet at Stuart to, to tell him and maybe use words that I can't to explain why it's not a good expression. Nah, it's great. <laughs> As so, these things go. So, uh, Daniel's talking to Omak, and Omak's, you know, said, yeah, this is exactly how I thought you would be, because you're gonna take me, you're gonna, you know, interrogate us for a technology, and that's all you want from us. Daniel's like, well, some of us do, but I don't. And, uh, that does the trick. not all yeah. humans. <laughs> But yeah, that mysteriously does the trick. Yeah, and he tells them about the Nox and how they can't contact them themselves because they feel the same way about humans as the Tolans do. Maybe it was that that did the trick. Yeah, that might have been. I think that was the part that really did the trick. Oh, they also look down on you? I can't wait to meet these people. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so then we have a goof in this scene. Mm-hmm. Uh Omok tells Daniel to take his hand. Daniel reaches out his right hand and Omok grabs it. Then Omok and Daniel walk through the wall. Omok is holding Daniel's left hand. You pay way closer attention. No, the people on the Stargate wiki pay way closer attention. I actually did not notice that. Okay, okay. So off Omak, Omok, Omok and Jackson go to the wall. Omok and Jalada Tanagra. <laughs> I'm sorry. As the walls fell. <laughs> I just had to get another Stargate Star Trek reference in there. Okay. <laughs> so off to go to the woods, Omok puts a little box on the ground that beams a laser into space or something. and It's not a laser. Well, he never said it's not a laser. Well, it moves slower than a laser does, so since we can actually see it move. Fair enough. He just carries this thing around? You know, like you do. Actually, no, like he would, because as they said earlier in the episode, they his team, how many people ultimately... Were, were left behind to seal the gate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Although I don't know why they needed to be left behind to seal the gate and why they couldn't they just... do it on board one of the spaceships. Or just plant explosives and go through the gate. Or haul the gate off and then chuck it into a sun. Mm, yeah, that worked. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, sometimes there are consequences. That's true. Mm. Blew up one sun. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't slap a U.S. Air Force sticker on the side of it. <laughs> <laughs> man omak and uh oh uh selmak yes omak and selmak 
They would get on like bosom buddies. Oh, yes. <laughs> so you mean to tell me they tried to just slap a sticker on the side? That's what I'm trying to tell they you. They tried it twice. <laughs> and then they blew up a sun. <laughs> mm, looking forward to him next season. Heck yes. So they're in the woods. <laughs> yes, they're in the woods. They send the thing to go to the Nox planet. And then Omak does the stick thing. Yeah, Omak does the stick thing, which is cool. I love the stick thing. You know, he's like teaching it to a child. Right. Except it, it felt a lot like any time that I have... Uh, the most recent one would have been when I was trying to learn how to play bridge. and my, Bridge is complicated, man. It can be, yes. And my uncle was telling me, no, 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 listen, you know the correct answer, just come up with it. And it's like... What? You know what? What? That is the most... What? That is a horribly asinine thing to say. Because we were like multiple play, like this is our third or fourth playthrough at this point, and so it, that was basically what he was saying. I can't remember his exact words, but it was sort of it was like, no, no, no. Listen, you know the answer. Just you know, do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. But I really, I really did like that. He he has like this. He's got like this gentle expression on his face. He's like, yes, this is what we do. And then when Daniel totally doesn't understand, he's just like, no, no, you're not even, man, you're not even close. You guys are, oh, it's going to be so long before you guys get anything right. Yeah. Well, they still believe in quantum physics, so yeah. <laughs> oh, earthens. <laughs> I can't help myself. I just love it so much better than earthlings. <laughs> so, the Nox show up. You're suggesting an alien conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> so, the Nox show up. Uh, well, just one Nox. Uh, just the one Nox, actually. Right? <laughs> it was it was Laya. <laughs> I kind of wish it had been um, Armin Shimmerman's character. I can't remember his character's name. I can't either. The little guy with the weird hair. Uh, looking it up in my notes. This is why I make notes. <laughs> and I don't have it written down. Honestly, I was surprised that we had Armin Shimmerman in one episode of this season, though. Because, like... I feel like, yeah, you know, I'm going to take a break from the show where I play a character in makeup and play another character in makeup. It just, I mean, I was surprised on that. Because season one of SG-1 would have been while DS9 was still in the air. Oh, huh. Okay. So yeah. anyway, so that's probably why they brought Laia, because I imagine Armin Shimmerman probably was a little busy. Yes. All right. So, uh, yeah, you know, Mayborn freaks out a bit, doesn't do anything, and that's basically the end of the episode. Yeah. Laia makes the guns disappear. Yes. Also... The weird thing, I this this part was weird. It seemed as though Laia had Stargate dial the world, and then she came the wrong way through the wormhole. Yeah, no, that stuck out to me too. Thank you for mentioning it. But maybe she's just you know all powerful Nox. They can do that because technician. Yes, was calling out the Chevron, mm-hmm. which doesn't happen on an inbound wormhole. But he also called in that it was an inbound wormhole. Yeah, it was weird. So maybe they just hadn't... Let's chalk that one up to the show hasn't quite figured out how they're going to handle... Stargate activation unknown source, I think was what he said. Yes. Let's just chalk that up to the show not knowing how they're going to handle unscheduled off-world activations. Perhaps they could call them those. Nah, that, that'll never catch on. Uh, it's a little on the nose. You're right. I did I did like how she just sort of waved her arm. Oh, no. She, I don't think she even moved. She just made the, the wormhole happen. I think she waved her arms. There wasn't even a kawoosh. It just happened. There was no kawoosh. It, well, it didn't even... It's not like it just magically appeared. It came up like a like a reverse curtain. That's true, it did. From her. 
So I think she did move her arm, but she didn't to make the guns disappear. No, and she... They just... Or to make the Tolans go through the gate. Well, in that case, they walked, and I think that she just cloaked them, because you can still hear the ploop noise as they walk through. You hear the ploop, but you don't see the wormhole move. Nox metaphysics. Well, I feel like that was like a way to, like, let the Tolans obey Mayborn's order without action and still go through the gate. It was a sort of weird thing, because Mayborn was like, shoot them if they move, and then they didn't move, they just disappear. I don't think Lya cared. That's fair. That's probably true. So Mayborn's a little unhappy. And as you'll find in later episodes, that is May- Mayborn's default setting. Yes. And in Mayborn episodes, they often end with Mayborn being unhappy. Yes. Now, I don't actually remember how the final Mayborn episode ends. I remember what happens in the episode. I don't remember what happens to Mayborn at the end. It's a long ways away. It, it is. It's, yeah. you know, at least seven seasons. Many seasons. All right. Well, do you have anything else you want to talk about? No, I mean, I don't have anything else about the episode, and we've already said plenty that had nothing to do with the episode. So true. So you thank you for joining us on this episode of Stargate Weekly. If you'd like to talk to us about this train wreck of an episode, which I thought was pretty fun, but yeah, we did sort of meander a bit, uh, you can tweet us at Stargate Weekly, or individually at myself, I am at Tyrannicus. I am at Gamicus. Uh, you can also send us an email at stargateweekly at gmail.com. Uh, you can join our Facebook group, uh, which is just Stargate Weekly on Facebook. And you can also visit our website, if you so choose, which is stargateweekly.com. Einstein Rosenbridge, searching on the internet. Suppose I should be talking now so that we can we can cut out what you're doing. It's all good. I'll sh- cut it down. <laughs> Feel like you should leave it in. I'm going to. I'm just going to be cutting it down, silly <laughs> belly. Uh, yeah, 